Well, good morning, Vineyard family. Uh, so good to be here with you this morning. My name is Gino Allison. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you to our online service here. Hey, it's been an interesting couple of months, hasn't it? And I just want to begin today by saying I've missed uh, gathering together with our church family. And I'm really, really grateful for all the ways that you guys have been hanging in there with us, whether it be through your generosity and giving, whether it be to regularly tuning in and engaging with us here uh, on Sunday mornings or logging in to yet another uh, Zoom thing for small groups or doing curbside visits or just the way you have faithfully uh, taking care of one another by checking on one another and meeting the needs of our fellow Vineyard family. Listen, I'm very, very grateful uh, for the ways that you guys have hung in there with with us. And so, that, of course, we're heard, hearing whispers of you know, the state of Illinois slowly opening up again. And one of the things that you can know for sure is that uh, whenever it's safe for us to gather again as a church family, we will do that. In fact, we're making plans right now to try to figure out what that's going to look like when we start to gather again. And something tells me that when we initially begin to gather, it's not going to look anything like we're used to. Uh, but we will, we will press toward gathering again. And in the meantime, we're hanging out here uh, through videos and through screens. And I hope you recognize that we have worked really, really hard to sit in this moment of crisis with you, right? To sit in this discomfort, to sit in this awkwardness, to sit in the foreignness of these circumstances. And we've resisted the urge to try to entertain you, right? To try to wow you with a slick video production. Because frankly, I don't think that that's what the moment calls for. We haven't tried to wow you with deep theological mysteries and reflections. Really, that's not who we are. But that is certainly not what the moment calls for. Instead, we have strategically tried to help you focus on our great big God, this God we serve, right? And we've tried hard to remind you that despite what this thing looks like, God is bigger than our circumstances. God is bigger than the coronavirus and anything else that we can deal with as a result of it. My eyes are fixed on Psalm 46 and 1, that God is our refuge and our strength. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Those words ring true in these moments, and that help as we come to walk with God. We know that help hardly ever looks like what we want it to look like, and that ever-present help never arrives in the timing that we think it should. But God is big. He is present and he is there, and we've tried to help you focus each and every week on that bigness, right? The other thing we've tried to strategically do is point out helpful habits and virtues and disciplines that will help us win this fight that we're in. I said just last week that we're in a fight, right? And we want to win this fight. We want to be victorious. And so we have been trying to focus on helpful habits and virtues and disciplines because this is what you need. This is what I need. This is what we need collectively as a community to come out of this thing stronger than when we went in. And today I want to continue in that vein by focusing on a discipline that I think can get easily lost whenever we're in crisis, whenever we're dealing with discomfort, whenever we get frustrated and pressed on every side, this thing can get lost. And this thing I'm talking about, I want to talk about gratitude this morning. Gratitude. Just being thankful. 
having a posture of gratitude, not just a start, stop, I'm thankful for that, and then I have a long stretch of entitlement and ingratitude. I'm talking about an undercurrent of gratitude that runs throughout the course of your entire life and uh, that's kind of that's kind of hard to come by, and so I want to lean into gratitude this morning because there's nothing that can arrest disappointment and entitlement and a bad attitude and frustration and irritability and all the other toxic internal struggles that we might face during crisis or during a months long global pandemic and shelter in place. There's nothing that can quite arrest the unhealthy things that try to hop on us at a time like this quite like gratitude. And as we lean into this subject today, I want us to fix our eyes and calibrate our focus and calibrate our hearts on this sort of art of thankfulness. I'm calling this message this morning, Give Thanks. Give Thanks. I want to look at a passage of scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, and hopefully that'll help. 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 16. Feel free to turn there with me in your Bibles if you have them, on your tablets or your phones. The real short passage of scripture this morning. Paul's words read this way. Verse 16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That's the New Living Translation. I like this also in the the, uh, NIV. Verse 16, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, a little bit of context. This is Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica. And what you should know about this young church is that it's a bunch of fairly recent converts. These people are fairly new to faith. uh, And they lack a full understanding of what it means to have faith in Christ and what it means to live that out. And these are also folks who have suffered their fair share of trials and tribulations and have endured quite a bit of persecution for their faith. And so what Paul is trying to do here is give them some tools to help them remain firm in their faith despite their circumstances. It's like seems exactly what we need, right? We need some tools to help us stand firm in our faith despite what's going on around us. And so in the closing portion of this letter, Paul is giving them a bunch of sort of quick hitters. These, he's firing these rich nuggets of wisdom and truth at them. And he's talking to them about honoring their leaders, living peacefully with each other. He's urging them not to be lazy, to encourage the weak, and to walk in forgiveness. All these quick hitters. And then we get to the verses that we're focusing on today, this cluster of truth that he packaged just together, verse 16 through 18. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances. And these words have some weight to them. Why do they have weight? Well, because you'll notice the absolute language that Paul uses. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all all circumstances. I got to tell you, even as a preacher, this seems out there to me, right? This seems impossible. Who's joyful all the time? Who never stops praying? Who is thankful in all circumstances? Who does this? Who can do this, right? But it doesn't take me long to realize that this is one of those seemingly impossible things that God sets out in front of us for us to aspire to. This cluster of truth is something that we're supposed to reach for. 
we're supposed to ascend to. If we install this in our life, this will always give us something to press toward. This is always uh, give us some work to do as we press toward joy in the midst of unpredictable circumstances. As we uh, press toward praying continually when we get bored with prayer, we get disinterested in talking to God. And certainly to be thankful in all circumstances seem to be the most challenging of them all. Because how can you be thankful and, and grateful in the midst of pain and sorrow? This is a hard thing to do. And so I'd like to simplify this challenge that Paul gives to us to be thankful in all circumstances. If I were to simplify it, I would say it this way. Paul is challenging us to begin to see our whole life through the lens of God's goodness. I'm going to say that again. If I'm going to simplify this charge to be thankful in every circumstance, I believe that God is challenging us to begin to view our whole life through the lens of God's goodness. You say everything, preacher? Yes, everything. Our whole lives, our whole lives, the good and the bad, the sunshine and the rain, the joy and the pain, the hills, the valleys, feast or famine, sickness or health, married, or single, any place or station in life, to see all of that through the lens of God's goodness. And this is a challenge. This is a tall order, but it's necessary. It's necessary because if God is only good when life is good, we're not seeing the full picture. I'll say that again. If God is only good when life is good, then we're missing the full picture. There's a whole big chunk of God that we won't allow ourselves to experience if we only see God as good when life is good. And so the spiritually mature, those who have grown up in God or those who are growing up in God, learn to see God's goodness everywhere littered throughout their entire life. And so there's always something to be thankful for because we have these lenses that allow us to see God everywhere, even in unpleasant circumstances, even in pain, even when we're lack, lacking, even when we're sad, everything, right? And so one of my favorite stories uh, in Scripture that illustrate this is the story of Joseph. In, in, the, in the book of Genesis. And Joseph's story spans from about chapter 37 through the end of the book. And basically, jo Joseph's story is summed up by this, you know, this young, impressive young man who is the favorite son <laughs> of his father, is basically sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. And when they sell this young boy into slavery, it sets off a chain of events in his life that includes lots of pain, uh, lots of abandonment, imprisonment, and a host of other terrible things, along with some tri triumphs along the way. And in the end, Joseph uh, ends up in a good place, but uh, this is a sort of tragic life that he has, right? 
And so at the end of the story, Joseph's brothers have to come to him because the entire land is in famine and all the surrounding uh, places need food. And Joseph's wisdom and faithfulness to God had put him in a position where he come up with a solution uh, for this famine and the people weren't starving. And here his brothers are who have sold him into slavery years ago are standing before him and they don't recognize him. And in chapter 45 of Genesis, the big reveal happens where Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And these are powerful verses because I think they perfectly illustrate what I'm trying to say here. Verse 4, Joseph says, come closer, says to his brothers. So they come closer and he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery. He said, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. That's a powerful sentence. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. In other words, he says, God did this. God's hand was in this. Now, I'm wondering, like, God, did you cause this? Like, did you make his brothers angry and, like, throw them into the pit? Did you cause this? Scripture doesn't tell us. Minimally, he allowed it. But what Joseph is saying is, is, I recognize that whether it's the pit or the prison or the palace, God did this because he had a plan. <laughs> and that plan was to bring glory to him and to work for the well-being of other people. He said, God did this. And so all of the stuff that Joseph went through, he was able to see his whole life, good, bad, ugly, through the lens of God's goodness. And if you read Joseph's story, you'll, you'll see the graceful way that he went through even some really painful situations. And you said, man, this, this young brother must have known that God was with him. He must have been able to see his, even his present circumstances through the lens of God's goodness. All that I might be like Joseph. All that I be, would be like the spiritually mature who have learned to see God's goodness everywhere, especially in the darkest hours of my life. And so... The trick to being grateful in every circumstances is learning to see the goodness of God in every circumstances to get those lenses. And you might say today, preacher, I need a pair of those lenses. I need them ASAP. I need I need them, you know, rush delivered to me today. How do I get these lenses? Well, I think Paul gives us a clue in verse 17. He says, never stop praying. <laughs> he said, never stop praying. And so this isn't like God's idea to just sort of force you into the spiritual discipline of prayer. What God understands is if we don't maintain a connectedness to him, if we don't communicate with him, if we don't spend time with him, then we can very easily forget the things concerning faith, forget the things about God, the truth of who he is, uh, because our circumstances loom large. Our circumstances seem bigger than God, and our circumstances can cause us to forget the things, the truths that we're supposed to rest on, excuse me, and lean on as we walk out our life with faith. 
And so, friends, this is why we encourage you to lean into the spiritual disciplines and to pray and to spend time with God in the Word and to spend time together with God in devotion and to press into Christian community and to go to small groups and to pray together and to read the Word together and to tune in. To because we're trying to remind you of all the things that your circumstances might be causing you to forget. To remind you that God is good. To help you see God's goodness in the darkest hours of your life. This, these are reminders, right? These are reminders. And here is my prayer a lot of the time. This is my simple prayer a lot of the time, especially these days. When I'm frustrated and when I'm annoyed and I'm irritated and I'm ready for this to be over. This is my prayer lots of the time. God, help me find you in this. God, help me to see your goodness in this situation because I'm struggling to find it. Father, help me locate some things to be grateful for. Let me see your goodness. My lenses are, are fogged up. My, my vision is blurry. I can't see you in this. I know you're here. Help me find you here when I feel myself grumbling and complaining, even if I don't say it out loud. When I feel myself grumbling and complaining and pressing into that place, God, help me locate your goodness. And here's what I know. Here's what you know. It's not always easy to find things to be thankful for. That's a fact, especially in moments like this. And because of that reality, sometimes you have to look real hard to find things to be thankful for. I'll say that again. It's not always easy to find stuff to be thankful for. And sometimes you have to look really, really hard. You know, sometimes I just wake up, I'm in a grateful mood. I've got a grateful heart. I see the birds, I'm like, man, I'm thankful for those birds. <laughs> I'm thankful for the flowers, right? I'm thankful for maple syrup. Thank you for making, whoever made this maple syrup. God, I thank you for this maple syrup, right? I'm just, I'm in a thankful mood. But there are times and, and there are seasons where it is a struggle for me to find something to be thankful for. And some of you are there today. You say, Pastor, I cannot find a single thing to be thankful for today. And I say, you can't find a single thing? You say, Pastor, I can't find a single thing. And so if that's you today, I would ask you the question that I often ask my kids when they tell me they can't find something that I sent them to go find. I ask them this simple question. I say, where did you look? <laughs> Where'd you look? I tell my kids, hey, go upstairs and get your shoes. They go up, they're back in five seconds flat. Daddy, I can't find it. Where'd you look? Did you look in your room? Yeah, I looked in my room. I go up in the room. There is stuff everywhere. Doesn't take me long to discover that they haven't done any digging. They haven't looked under anything. And I said, man, you got to look under this stuff. And so I get in there and I start lifting up t-shirts and I start lifting up puzzles and I start lift, lifting up Legos. And guess what's under that stuff? The shoes. The stuff I sent them in there to find. You say, preacher, what does this have to do with gratitude? What does this have to do with thankfulness? What does this have to do with seeing my whole life through the lens of God's goodness? I'll tell you what it has to do. Sometimes you can find things to be thankful for very easily. Other times you got to move some stuff around. Other times you got to lift up the stuff that's on the surface in order to see God's goodness beneath it. And here's what I know. In a moment like this, 
what's laying on the surface, what's scattered about, easily accessible, uh, that's easy to reach, is not the goodness of God. What's on the top is your frustration and your pain. The fact that you have got more demand than supply, more month than money, that maybe you've been laid off, or maybe you're sick in your body, or maybe you're lonely, or maybe your relationships are fine. What I know about this situation is typically that's what's laying on the top of things. And if I don't get in there and move some things around and look up under some of those things, I will never find in the darkest hours of my life things to be grateful for. But oh, as I sit still for a moment and begin to move some things around and I quiet myself and I draw a breath and I draw another breath and I go, there's one thing, breath, life, approaching 90,000 deaths in the United States in the span of a couple months. 90,000 people didn't wake up the next day. 90,000 folks to just coronavirus alone can no longer draw a breath. Sometimes I gotta look up under stuff to say, man, I, I woke up this morning, there it is, life. Then I go down to my kitchen May not always be what I want, but there's food in there. Big portion of folks around the world don't have food, good food, their choice of what to eat, there's something else. Shelter. I woke up in a house this morning. I woke up in a bed this morning. Clothes on my back, shoes on my feet. Then my, one of my little ones comes and, and, you know, these guys are driving me crazy all day. But, but one of them comes up on my lap and give me a hug that I didn't ask for. And I go, man, I, I am a rich man. Wife comes down give me a kiss on the cheek, make me some breakfast. God, I, I, so much to be thankful for. Then my brother Mike Reynolds texts me, he says, hey pastor, you doing well? I was just thinking about you, man. Just want to encourage you. I'm a, I'm a rich man. Uh, Sister Debbie comes by the house with a mask and a pie in her hand, said, pastor, I was just thinking about you. Enjoy this Dutch apple pie made from scratch. And I go, I am a rich man. I got friends that love me, family that love me, food on the table. I can draw a breath. And sometimes I got to look under some things. Sometimes I got to steal myself, but there is plenty if I look. Plenty of things to be thankful for. And then I press through all that to the reality that even if I die, that long ago, while I was still in my sin, Christ died for me. And that not even death, not even death, the things that many of us fear the most, not even death can separate us from the love of God. And that if I cease to be present in this world, I will be forever present with God in eternity, if all else fails, I'm with Him. If all else fails, my life is secure. I'm thankful for salvation. And the blessed assurance that He is mine and I am His, there's plenty to be thankful for. But sometimes I gotta get on the floor and move some stuff around and look under the things that are on the surface. It is a discipline. It is a discipline.
And so suddenly when I read these words that Paul throws at us to be joyful always, to pray continually, to be thankful in every circumstance, all of a sudden it doesn't seem that crazy. It still seems hard, but it doesn't seem that crazy. It still seems difficult and challenging, but it's not as out there as it once seemed because the goodness of God is everywhere. The goodness of God is everywhere. I just got to put on my lenses. I just got to, I just need eyes to see it. So before I close today, I want to challenge you to flood these comments below with things that you are thankful for. Things that you are grateful for. Small things, big things, the people in your life, the ways that God has come through for you. The ways that you can see God's goodness in your life and be thankful, even in this moment where things are not quite ideal. I want you to flood these comments. What are you thankful for? Who are you thankful for? What has God brought you through? Let us hear it. Let us see it. Let us read it. Be thankful in all things. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you because you've been so good and you've been so merciful and you've been so kind. We don't deserve it. But you're a good, good Father. And so, Father, as we sit in this longer, I pray, Father, for those lenses that we talked about. The lenses that will allow me, will allow us to see you working even when it's hard to see. To see your goodness, to spot your goodness when it's hard to see. Father, may this week be marked by just moment after moment where we just see you everywhere, especially in our dark moments. May your light shine brightest. Come Holy Spirit. Give us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen.